0: I want to pray a prayer of wisdom over you right now. I feel like there's some some maybe some business deals, maybe some decisions you need to make, some things you're walking into 2018. Solomon said, "God, I need wisdom." And and then God said, "Well, since you didn't ask for riches and you didn't ask for your enemies and you didn't ask for victory, I'm going to give you all that too." <laughs> But Solomon said, God, there's, I don't know how to leave these people. I need wisdom. And then God answered by not only giving him wisdom, but by giving him everything else that he could ever need. I want to pray a prayer of wisdom for you. If you need that today, Proverbs chapter 4, wisdom is the principal thing. And all you're getting, get understanding. I just, I believe that you're going to have the supernatural ability to know the right thing to do in Jesus' name. Is that is that you today? Can you lift up your hands? I want to pray for wisdom for whoever that is. We just agree with you. If, you. if you see a friend around you with their hand lifted, why don't you put your hand on their shoulder? Let them know that you're with them in the spirit right now. Father, wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. This is the way. Walk ye in it. And I declare you will know the way. You will know what to say. You will know what to do. You will know this is the right business partner. This is the right contract. This is the right idea. This is the right career move. This is the right thing to do. This is the right way to give. This is the right way to save. This is I'm I'm telling you, your life is going to be marked by abundance because God is going to lead you. And my sheep hear my voice. I just say this to you. And the voice of another, you will not follow. I'm just telling you, the voice of the Holy Spirit is going to be so loud. You will not even have to worry. Is this the enemy? Is this me? Is this emotion? Is this a devil? No, no, no. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is going to whisper in here and you're going to know it, that you know it, that you know it. Man, I feel, I'm telling you, I'm prophesying right now over somebody, guys. Wisdom in Jesus' name. Come on, do you receive that tonight? Say amen, everybody. Hallelujah. I want to get into my message because I, I, I feel like I, I want to start preaching already. So uh, hug somebody. Tell them they were singing really good tonight. And then you can be seated. brother. Acts chapter 11 and verse 22 through verse 24. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch, where he arrived and saw the evidence of God's blessing. Now notice this. He saw God's blessing. And he was filled with joy. That means that there was no jealousy in his heart. There was no malice in his heart. There was no bitterness in his heart. He saw God's blessing and it filled him with joy. And he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Now, listen to this definition of Barnabas. Wow. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and strong in faith. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith. Now this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 11. So encourage each other and build each other up. So encourage each other and build each other up. We are we we are in that season. I've I've been telling you this brick by brick. We're building a house stone by stone. We're building a house. We're building a culture. We're building a spirit of who we are going to be as a people. And Today, I want to talk about the Barnabas leader, the Barnabas leader, because I I believe the definition of Barnabas can be the definition of our life as well. Father, in Jesus name, I pray that, Lord, we would be a church that is good, that is full of the Holy Spirit and that is full of faith, Lord, I pray we would be a house of encouragement, that we would encourage one another and build each other up. In Jesus' name. Come on, everyone. Say amen. Um, Barnabas. Very interesting. Acts chapter 4 tells us that Barnabas was not born Barnabas. He was born Joseph. But in Acts chapter 4, verse 36, the apostles look at Joseph. And here's what they say. He is so encouraging. He is such a builder of people. We're going to change his name. And they literally changed Joseph's name to Barnabas. Barnabas means son of encouragement. This is amazing. Imagine this being said about you. Terrell is so encouraging. I can't call you Terrell anymore. I got to call you encourager. Think about that. Mark is so positive. i got to call you positivity. I can't even call you by your name anymore. They literally renamed him. Imagine that meeting. Peter and John roll up to Joseph. They're like, we got to talk to you. He thinks he's getting called into the principal's office. He's freaking out like, OMG, what's about to happen? And they say, we're changing your name. Oh my gosh. You're such an encourager. That's what we're going to call you from now on. Your name is now Barnabas. Could that be said... Of our church. Could we become a Barnabas church? Could we become an encouraging church? Could we become a smile church? Could we be the kind of church that gets accused of? They are the happy, clappy, always smiling, always happy, always praising God, always hugging people, always believing the best is yet to come. Come on. Could we become a Barnabas church? A church of encouragement. I want people when they talk about me. That they can't think of negative things to say. They can only think of encouraging and good things to say. And I want that to be said about our church. I'm not talking about a perfect church. I'm just talking about a church that is constantly encouraging. First Thessalonians chapter 5. And building each other up. Mm. It became his identity and it became his calling. And friend, I believe it can become our identity and it can become our calling. Oh man, that people would come to this church and they would hear good news, not bad news. I've still yet to be encouraged watching Fox News. I've still yet to be encouraged watching CNN. I've still yet to be encouraged watching MSNBC. But friend, when we come to the house of God, we can be a good news church. We can be a church of encouragement. We can be a church that builds people up and lifts people up and pushes people higher. Come on. I want to be a Barnabas church and I want us to be Barnabas leaders. Encourage. Encourage means to literally put in courage. N-E-N literally means in. To to place courage into someone. Come on, with our handshakes and with our hugs and with our greetings and with our looking at people in the eye, with our worship and with our music and with our preaching. Could we be a people of encouragement that they walk in without courage and they leave with courage. They leave like Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 when God said, "Be, Be courageous. Do not fear, for God is with you. Could we be a Joshua 1 kind of church? That the same way the Lord spoke to Joshua, we can now look at a city and say, be courageous. Do not fear. God is with you. Come on, God is for you. God is not against you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Come on, I want to be that kind of church. I want to be a church that constantly declares the goodness of God and the favor of God. That that God is for us and never... Against us. Discourage. Literally comes from the idea of killing courage. Dis. Means to kill. Courage means courage. So. Literally this word discourage. Means to kill courage. Friend I never want to be the kind of church. Where we take faith from people. Take courage from people. Take hope from people. Where people leave and they're beat up. And they're beat down. And. And the preacher was just screaming and in a bad mood and, you know, and it's like, I don't know what Jabin was on today, but oh my gosh. I never want to be, I never want to be that preacher and I never want us to be that church. I want to be i want to be a church that does not discourage. Come on. I want us to be a, a church that encourages. When I, when I meet, when I talk about encouragement, I'm talking about this. I'm talking about lifting people up. I'm talking about looking for the good. Speaking to the good in a person and not to the bad. Come on, because how many know the bad is obvious? So we're not going to speak to the obvious. We're going to speak to the spiritual. We're going to speak to something deeper. I don't know if you know this, but in, in Peter it tells us that Jesus, when He died on the cross for three days, the Bible said He went down to hell and He preached to the spirits. Spirits. In other words... It went beyond the natural with something spiritual. When we preach, we're not just going to preach to people's faces or, or people's, people's uh, you know, circumstance, what people are going through and what they look like and the color of their skin or what they smell like or where they've been or what they're currently doing. No, 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 no. We're going to preach to their spirits. We're going to build faith. We're going to find strength. We're going to celebrate strength. We're going to celebrate the good. When I'm talking about encouragement, here's what I mean. To use our words as a medicine of celebration. Oh, I like that too. Oh, come on, smile. Just smile. Everyone just smile. Come on. I want us to use our words as medicine of celebration. Not as poison that kills. Come on. My words, I want my words to be medicine to somebody. I want my words to give somebody a shot of adrenaline and a shot of Holy Spirit energy and Holy Spirit anointing, Holy Spirit hope that says, man, it was just a quick conversation. But for whatever reason, when I was walking back to that car, man, that, that guy in the parking lot, he was just so he was just so nice. I was picking up my kid and they were acting crazy and biting and freaking out and and the children's worker, they were just so sweet about it. They didn't they were just like wow, they just have so much energy. This is incredible. Their teeth are so sharp, we're just wow, it's awesome. Great genes, you know? Come on, somebody. Come on, I want us to be encouraging. We're we're using our words as medicine of celebration, not as poison that kills. And now now hear me. Encouragement, and by the way, don't we love all these babies in our church? I ain't even tripping. I'm like, this is awesome. Cry, baby, cry. I love it. I really do because I just I love all these kids. We're gonna grow this church one way or another. Come on, somebody. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> uh, hear me. Uh, this this is powerful. This will help you. Encouragement will break insecurity in your own life. Okay, if you'll become an encourager. Some of you feel like you need it so bad. If you will become what you need, it'll actually break the need. If I will become the encourager, I won't need it as bad. If I will become the recognizer of a gift, I won't need my gift recognized so much. If I will become the celebrator, I won't need to be celebrated. You'll never celebrate others and feel worse about yourself. Oh my gosh. You'll never celebrate others and go, Oh man, that was so dumb. I'm an idiot and I just feel... No, no, no. You celebrate someone else and you feel good. Now there's actually a Bible principle. Proverbs 11.25 Refresh others and you'll be refreshed. Water others and you'll be watered. Encourage others and you'll be encouraged. Lift up others and you'll be lifted. Friend, I'm telling you. I want us to be a house of encouragement want us to be a house of joy and a house that is constantly looking for ways. How can I lift you up? Weakness is always easier to spot and takes no humility to talk about it. It's easy to see someone's weakness. And it's easy to talk about their weakness. Because if you start talking about their weakness, you're basically elevating yourself. So it doesn't take humility because you feel you feel better than them. But hear me. Strength is harder to see in others and it takes humility to celebrate. I want to be a person that is looking for the strength in another and that is looking for ways to celebrate it. Now, it might take me being a little more humble. But I want to go lower If it means you can go higher. And then somewhere in that, we kind of like descend into greatness. It's like we go lower. We go for the encouragement. We go to celebrate another. And while we're doing our best to lift up our brothers and sisters, God will make sure he lifts us up. So he said, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. So if I'll do my best to encourage you, God will make sure I get encouraged. Man, this is awesome. I don't mean it's awesome because I'm saying it. I just mean it's awesome because it's in the Bible. Okay. Now listen, sadly, this is especially hard to do with the people you know the best. Come on. Like it's easy to meet someone that you know nothing about their weakness and just like that guy is awesome. Do you know him? I mean, I said hi to him. It was incredible. You know, it's, it's easier to celebrate a stranger than even your own spouse sometimes. <laughs> Hello. And by the, by the way, married people, let me talk to the married people. A critical spirit will never change a person. And by the way, you know your spouse's weakness. Guess what? So do they. And they know yours. So if you look at God someone said, so if you if you bring up your spouse's weakness, whatever that might be, they they already know it. So that isn't helping. And they they already know it, and they know yours and they're biting their tongue to just go right back at you. So a critical spirit cannot change a person, but an encouraging word can build up a person. So stop recognizing the obvious weakness and start celebrating the subtle strengths. Now hear me. Flattery is different than encouragement. Encouragement is given. Flattery is a transaction. Woo. Encouragement's given. Flattery is transactional. See, we, we have to be careful in especially uh, we, we have to be careful that we don't get a, a spirit of the world that's transactional. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. No, no, no. We're serving Jesus. And we're brothers and sisters serving one king. Well, okay, so if you're, yeah, if you're cool to me, then maybe I'll serve. And if you're nice to me, and if you, don't, if you don't hurt me like the last church hurts me, then maybe I'll really get it. And that's all transactional. And by the way, I will hurt you because I'm a human. And you'll hurt me. This is life. So it can't be transactional. It has to be true encouragement. So, encouragement is a gift. I give it. I give it with no strings attached. I love you. I see the best in you. I'm not going to get caught up. In your weakness, I'm gonna get I'm gonna be focused on your strength. I'm gonna to speak to that strength. I'm gonna build you up in your most holy faith. I'm gonna encourage you into good works. I'm gonna encourage you into all that God has for you. And I'm not gonna get into flattery where it has to become an exchange where I need something from you and you need something from me. That is that is such a oh that that that's such a a weak way of living. <laughs> So we don't want to get political and we don't want to get into the spirit of the world. We want to be in the spirit of God. Mm. Look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. It says, an encouraging word cheers a person up. So I want to submit this to you. Encouragement must be spoken. Encouragement must be spoken. An encouraging word. So you can't think encouraging. You got to say it. Like imagine if, if, fellas, if your wife goes up to you and says, you know, you never tell me I'm beautiful. And you go, well, yeah, but yeah, you're beautiful. You already know that. No, that doesn't cut it. Come on, somebody. Come on, guys. You got to say it. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) got quiet in here. You got to say it. Like, ladies, if, if your husband takes out the trash, tell him thank you. Well, he should. I know. But still say thank you. Because we're, we're so easy, we're like, it's so easy for us to be encouraged. Like, honey, you did so well taking out the trash. Like, ah, oh, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> we feel like a man. Like, we just feel like we ran a marathon. We ran a marathon, basically, I took out the trash. I mean, I'm awesome. <laughs> and it's so true, though. But you got to say something. You got to learn to celebrate the small wins. This is, this is, an, and this is especially in church. Okay, so an encouraging word. So encouragement must be spoken. Encouragement must be communicated. A culture of encouragement cannot exist in silence. A culture of encouragement cannot... That's why we're not going to be quiet when I preach or when anyone preaches. Well, yeah, they're doing a good job. It's the Bible. I mean, yeah. No, no, no. We're going to tell them amen. We're going to say it's good. We're going to say preach it. We're going to say, man... that's awesome! Great word. Pray. Why? Because because a culture of encouragement cannot exist in silence. So so yeah. Thank you. I didn't mean I didn't want it right now, but <laughs> you're the skipper. Okay, yeah. No stop. But but it won't it won't it won't be it won't be able to thrive in silence. Hey, let me give you some big statements. These are going to hurt. Silence doesn't build. Huh. Come on, it, 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 silence isn't going to help your marriage. Silence creates questions. If I, if, if, if I text and you don't text back, there's a question. Why didn't they write back? What are they doing? Are they mad? Did I offend them? What did I do wrong? What I, silence creates questions. Silence fuels rivalry. Silence fuels competition. Come on now. We got to (laughs) talk. There's like a lot of like married couples right now. Like, yeah, it's like easy. Next week I'll do a marriage seminar. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. Come on, speak life. You got, we got to say it. Our God is a speaking God and his people must be a speaking people. God formed the word, the world with his words and we form our world with God's word in our mouth. And we form our relationships with God's word in our mouth. And we form intimacy. We form celebration. We form culture with words and God's word in our mouth. So we're not going to be a silent church. And I don't just mean that in preaching. I mean that in worship. We got to sing loud. Oh, man, we got to be we got to learn. I mean, I know it's kind of an awkward, you know, it's just a couple of guitars and. Kind of a small room, and it's like, oh my gosh, everyone can hear me. Okay, we'll get bigger, and that won't be as awkward, but we're going to be a singing church. We're going to be a preaching church. But more than that, we're going to be an encouraging church to each other. Friend, if you walk into a room and you see someone sitting by themselves, grab them and say, hey, sit with us. How are you doing? How was Thanksgiving? That's great. Turkey, you too? Yeah, awesome. Okay, but at least... Barnabas, point number one, point number two, he was a good man. He was a good man, the Bible tells us. That means you could see it. Here's to me the definition that he was a good man. Verse 23, he saw God's blessing and it filled him with joy. I see God's blessing on your life and I celebrate it. You know, my pastor says this all the time, Pastor Jensen, he says... Uh, Romans 13, it's easy to weep with those who weep, right? Like they're going through hell. It's like, oh, brother, we're praying for you. We're believing for a breakthrough, brother. Oh, God, we're going to fast for you. We're going to make it happen. It's harder to rejoice with those who rejoice. Wow. <laughs> it's amazing. People put a prayer request on Facebook and it's like, oh, my gosh, we're praying. You start typing in tongues. You know, you're just like, you're a prayer warrior couple months later, they get their breakthrough. They're in Maui. You can't even like the picture. You're like, they got enough likes, you know. <laughs> Barnabas saw the blessing and he celebrated it. It filled him with joy. I want to celebrate your, I want to celebrate the good things that are happening in your life. I never want to tear people down for the kind of car they drive or the house they live in or, or the shoes they wear. Oh, man, must be because you're doing pretty good. No, I don't want to live that way. I want to be a celebrator. I don't want to be a hater. I want to encourage people. Man, I love that. You're awesome. Man, we want to celebrate the blessing of God on people's lives. He was a good man because he, he was able to celebrate blessing. He was a good man because he fought for people. Not against people. Let me explain it. Acts chapter 9. Saul, who would become the great apostle Paul, gets saved. And the apostles and the church don't know what to do with him because they think he's just kind of a secret agent that's going to go back into the church and kill them. But the Bible says in Acts 9, Barnabas fought for Saul to be in the fold. I want to fight for people. I want to fight for people. By the way, it goes on in Acts 15. Saul gets mad, or Paul at this. At this point, it's funny because Paul forgot where he came from. Because Paul, uh, at at one point, was on the outs, and now he's mad at Mark. Doesn't want to go preach with Mark. And the Bible says in Acts 15, Barnabas stands up for Mark. Again, he fights for somebody. It 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 got so heated that Barnabas and Paul ended up, Paul ended up having a falling out, and they. You know, they broke up. I mean, the Barnabas Paul Evangelistic Association broke up and they went and started their own ministry. It was like the first church split, really. I mean, honestly. But because he was so dedicated. He was was a fighter for people. Mm. Where would the church be if Barnabas wouldn't have fought for Paul? Who knows the people that are going to come into this church and we're going to fight for them. And they're addicted to drugs, and we're gonna fight for them. And they're bound up, and we're gonna fight for them, and we're not gonna give up on people, and we're not gonna throw people away, and we're not gonna, we're not gonna get frustrated with people because they're on a journey. Now we're gonna fight for people, we're gonna pray for people, we're gonna fast for people, we're gonna love people, we're gonna encourage people, we're gonna fight for people. Why? Because that's a Barnabas leader, that's the kind of person I want to be. Barnabas was a good man, and I want us to be good people. I don't think it's too much that I want us to be nice. We will err on the side of grace, yeah. believing the best, seeing the good and rejoicing. Number three, he was full of the Holy Spirit. Huh. I want you to notice this, that in the book of Acts, they were able to define what being filled with the Spirit looked like. I don't know if you know this. Acts chapter 6, the apostles said, we need some deacons. And they said, okay, what's the requirement? They need to be full of the Holy Ghost. Think about that. They were able to see Barnabas, Acts 11, and say, he's full of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to go out on my theological persuasion. I believe that every believer can be baptized with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. And I don't believe that speaking in tongues is the end all, and I don't believe it's the highest of heights in spirituality. I actually believe it's the initial sign of the baptism. It's not spiritual maturity. Read first Corinthians 14. Those people were jacked. But they were operating in the gifts because they were full of the Holy Ghost. Friend, I'm just gonna tell you something. We're gonna be a spirit-filled church. And if you don't want to speak in tongues, that's fine. I'm not gonna force you. And you know what? God isn't gonna force you. The Holy Spirit's never gonna go like fly over to you and grab your tongue, and ta-ta-ta-ta. He's never gonna do that. Some of you are waiting on that. You're like, I want my prayer language. It's never going to (laughs) happen. Barnabas was full of the Spirit. And I'm just going to say it. City light is going to be full of the Holy Spirit. We're going to let the Holy Spirit move. We're not going to be weird, wacky. We're not going to force a move of God. But we're open to a move of God. Every time people got filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts. And I encourage you to read the book of Acts. Because we're in those early days. I'm, I'm reading Acts all the time. I encourage you to as well. Every time people got filled with the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit were in operation. People people spoke in tongues. People prophesied. One time, where it doesn't say they spoke in tongues or prophesied, something so dramatic happened that a witch tried to buy the Holy Spirit. Just imagine, Paul starts laying hands on people. They start getting filled with the Spirit. Maybe they start falling out. Maybe they start shouting in tongues. I don't know what happened. But something so dramatic happened that a witch went, Can I buy that? It's pretty amazing. I don't know what it was, but it's amazing. And and I'll just tell you what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 5. I would like for you all to speak in tongues. That's in your Bible. I want every person in this room to speak in tongues. Because I believe it will unlock things in the supernatural. I believe tongues is the doorway to the supernatural. In the same way that we had to go through that door to get into this sanctuary, I believe that when you speak in tongues, it opens your ear to the voice of God. I believe it opens your heart to the Spirit of God. Jabin, when do I speak in tongues? You go in your car and you put on some praise and worship. You don't like throw on Jay-Z and speak in tongues. You don't listen to Keith Urban and speak in tongues. Weird. You don't listen to the news. No, you get some worship going. And you don't have to... And it, I believe that many of you have missed out on the blessing of tongues because you've only seen it in radical Pentecost. So you've only seen it in, you know, just a 10. I pray, I, pr- I literally pray in tongues all day. And it is under my breath and it is soft. But I'm telling you, the, the, the car's rolling. I got worship going. And I'm just praying in the spirit. And I'm just talking to God. And I'm telling you, he'll actually interpret your own tongue. He'll give you revelation. He'll tell you what to do, what not to do. He'll tell you he'll tell you how to how to act and how. I mean, he'll start talking to you. I really believe this. And you and if you if you're freaked out, that's all right. The rattlesnakes are coming out right now. We're going to start. No, I'm kidding. Easy. Come on. Some of you aren't laughing. You're like, it's over. Let me, let me just say this about being filled with the Spirit. It's a choice. Ephesians 5, 16. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you, how do you get drunk with wine? Anybody know how? How? How do you, how do you get drunk with wine? Is it, this isn't a trick question. You're like, you drink it. How do you get drunk on Henny? Like, I don't know what you do. I, I don't know. Like, like, I'm not really a wine guy. Okay, gin, whatever. Henny, who says Henny, right? Like too many memes. Okay. How do you get high on weed? How do you, you know, you consume it. You, you choose to receive it. And in the same way that drunkenness is a choice, I'm not here. I'm not talking about alcohol tonight. That's not what we're talking about. But in the same way that drunkenness is a choice, being filled with the Holy Spirit is a choice. And by the way, you choose it every day. I, I, the Holy Spirit lives in me and I'm his temple and I'm one with him and I'm sealed for the day of redemption. But at the same time, every day I just say, Holy Spirit, I surrender. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come flood this place, fill this atmosphere. Holy Spirit, have your way. Lead me, guide me, talk to me, talk through me, uh, lead through me, help me. Holy Spirit, he, be my wisdom, be my voice, be my helper in the same way that you have to consume wine to get drunk on wine, in the same way you must consume the Spirit of God. In other words, you must, by an act of your will, say, Holy Spirit, fill me. And I'll just say one more thing, and I'm going to move on, because some of you are so nervous, and I don't want to make you uncomfortable. But tongues is a choice, and you, Acts chapter 2, you have to speak in tongues as the Spirit gives you utterance. So if you'll partner with the Holy Spirit, He'll give you a prayer language. But in the same way that you speak English or Spanish and you do it as, a, as an act of your will, you speak in tongues as an act of your will. And I'm going to move on because it's tense in the room. Number four. It's over. Don't worry. It's over. Number four. And how many, y'all hear my heart? I'm never going to force someone to speak in tongues. And we're never going to have wild Sunday mornings where, you know, you bring a friend and you just go, oh, my gosh, what has happened?" It's never going to be that. But we are going to give people opportunities. Throughout the life of our church. To receive the fullness of the spirit. You can do that tonight if you want to. At the end of service. I'll pray for you. You'll get it. Okay. Uh, number four. <laughs> Thank you Omar. I got one amen. Because it's not hard. It's a gift. Okay. I I love talking about the Holy Spirit. We got to keep going. Number four. He was full of faith. He full of the Holy Spirit. And he was full of faith. Well, well listen. How did... How did we know he was good? Because he fought for people. How do we know he's full of the Holy Spirit? Because he had the evidence of speaking in tongues. How do we know he's full of faith? Because you can see faith. In the same way that he was great to people, he spoke great to God. <laughs> in the same way that he saw greatness in people, he saw the greatness of God. And people said, that guy's got faith. Faith. That guy speaks highly of God. That guy speaks of the greatness of God. That guy is a, a, a praiser of God. That guy walks in obedience. James chapter 2, verse 17. Faith without works is dead. So they were able to see the life of obedience and say, man, that guy is full of faith. Jabin, how do I increase my faith? You increase your faith by increasing the Word. Amen. The more Word that's in you, the more faith that'll come out. That's right. Read your Bible. And as you get the Word in you and the revelation of God begins to grow, your faith grows. F.F. Bosworth said it this way, faith begins where the will of God is known. You start learning about God, you start learning about His will, your faith grows. Mm. Know God, know His will, know His Word, and faith will grow. Believing His promise, speaking His Word, believing God for good Walking in abundance, walking in healing, walking in freedom, walking in joy. Come on, we are a faith church. And we're going to believe the promise of God. We're going to declare the promise of God. We're always going to go back to the word and say, what does the word say? Because our foundation is the Bible. And if your foundation is the Bible, then faith will begin to flow. And friends, I want us to be a group of people where people will say they are encouragers. They are good. They're full of the Holy Spirit. And they're full of faith. Come on, anybody want to be a Barnabas leader? In Jesus' name, I receive it. Come on, do you receive that? Let's clap our hands. (laughs) Hallelujah.